Welcome to the Nino's Corner Podcast. This is beautiful. What is that, Velvet? Hosted by Nick, Nino's Corner Battle. Damn right. Nino's Corner. It's not just a website. It's not just a podcast. It's a brand and a movement. Go to ninoscorner.com, N-I-N-O-S corner.com to get the latest products from Nino. Go to the book section to find Nino's three number one best-selling books, Can You Love Me? A Memoir, A Tribute, Battles Blueprint, Five Self-Battles to Defeat for Success, and My Wonderful Life and Adoption Story. If you need merchandise, we had that for you too. Our custom Do You Signature Series shirts and other apparel were sure to please. Again, visit www.ninoscorner.com, N-I-N-O-S corner.com for more information. What's up, peeps? Nick Battle, a.k.a. Nino's Corner, man. We got a lot to talk about today. I know I didn't get back with you guys after the bowl win when Texas won 55-23 to against Colorado, but so much has happened since then, and so I wanted to group everything together, guys. But we got some very important things that, that actually happened this week. Tom Herman got fired as the Texas head coach, right? And same day, next day, Texas goes out and hires Steve Sarkeesian, who's the offensive coordinator for Alabama. What does this mean for Texas? This means Texas gets a bona fide uh, offensive guru who's basically led uh, Alabama, who has you know, been a, a, one of the best teams when it comes to defense in the country since Nick Saban has been there since, what, 2007. Now, Sark's there, and they have their two best offensive seasons that they ever had in the history of Alabama. Now, a lot can do with that, right, is the players. Is it the coaches? Is it just Saban? I mean, it's a little bit of both, right? You know, they always say it's not about the X's and O's. It's about the Jimmys and Joes. And I want to get into that. Sark is one hell of a recruiter. Uh, so he's able to get that offensive talent to come in, and he's able to mold that talent and do what he does. I mean, if you go back and check this guy's uh, his 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 track list when it comes to the quarterbacks that he's helped mold, you got Carson Palmer. You got Matt Leinart. You got Mark Sanchez. You know, you got Tua. You got um, Locker that came from Washington. I mean, he has a basically a tree of quarterbacks that he has helped mold. Mac Jones is going to be a draft pick this year, and he's a Heisman candidate. Um, also, on the offense side of the ball, you got his wide receivers that are on his team. This guy has three guys on his offensive you know, team, basically, that are going to go to the Heisman finalists. Well, actually, two that are finalists, but three that finished in the top ten with Najee Harris, our running back with Mac Jones at, at the at the actual quarterback position and with uh, Smith, who is probably going to end up winning the award. So he has that, you know, just on his jacket, on his resume. One thing I can say about him also is, like I say, guys, the guy's offensive mind. He he is just a genius with it. And he calls plays from the sidelines. Let's let's just think about that for a minute. Hmm. One thing that Tom Herman didn't do. Tom Herman is a supposedly, you know, you know, air quotes and offensive juggernaut. And when he came to Texas, I think everybody thought that Tom Herman was going to call plays at Texas, right? Uh, but instead, he didn't. He ended up hiring a guy named Tim Beck who ran the offense, and it was a horrible offense. He takes the reins from Tim Beck, 
but but stated in his first two or three um you know press conferences that he doesn't like to call plays from the sidelines and he doesn't know how coaches do it. And I was amazed at that because this guy is supposed to be an offensive guru. You got a guy like Lincoln Riley who calls plays from the sidelines. Sark down down at Alabama calls plays from the sidelines. So your great offensive minds are guys who know how to call plays, whether they're in the booth or on the sideline. And so that's what I thought Texas was getting when we got Tom Herman, and we didn't get that, all right? So Tom Herman is fired. What do I think about the move? To be honest with you, I thought Tom Herman was going to get one more season. The team uh, went 7-3. and three. They were going to be 8-3 and three if they would have played Kansas. Um, you know, so when you start to look at that and you got a guy who scores 69 points against Kansas State, blew them out, scores 40, well, actually scores 55 points in the bowl game, blows out Colorado, and basically missing all of his team captains um, up until the start of the game. He only had one team captain, and that was Sam Ellinger. At halftime, he had no captains left in the team because Sam Ellinger was hurt. And then you have a guy like Casey Thompson step in and do his thing. Now, I thought Tom Herman was going to get one more year and have five years to see this through. The Texas Brass, the big money donors are like, hell no, we want him out of here. And that is because Tom Herman has not rubbed people the right way. As a Longhorn, as a Longhorn faithful, as a graduate, you know, hook them all day long. As a graduate, you know, as a, uh, you know, you know, just from this, this college, we know what football means to this school. Football is everything when it comes to Texas, right? When you look at the NFL, you look at like a third of the starting quarterbacks come from Texas. They have Texas high school pedigree. Right. All these starting quarterbacks are in college football. They're, they're like Texas guys. When you look around the country and you start to see like um, you had Jalen Hurts, who's a Texas guy who went to play at Bama. And, you know, when, when you start to go down the list, you know, um, there's just so many guys who are, who have Texas blood running through them who never stepped foot on on campus at Texas to play quarterback. And we thought Tom Herman was going to be the guy that was going to bring that talent back, you know. You can even go back to guys like uh, Matthew Stafford, who went to Georgia. I mean, Texas is right there. You got guys like Andrew Luck, who ended up going to Stanford. Texas is right there. Now, we know about the Andrew Luck story with Garrett Gilbert, and they're both number one, number two player in the country. And Texas went with Garrett Gilbert. Wrong analysis. They should have went with Andrew Luck, you know, hindsight 2020, right? Um, But when you start to look at the league and see all these guys that played – High school football in Texas, and Texas has not been able to get any of that talent. That's a problem. And we thought that we were going to be able to get that talent once Tom Herman came because he was a guy who was able to take three different quarterbacks in one playoff and go win a championship with Ohio State. Now, Sark is a whole different animal. Now, we all know that he had some problems when he was at Washington and USC, but I saw his press conference with Texas through his Zoom call, and it seems like he has changed his life. He has done, um, you know, just a, a, a complete 180. And basically, you know, he talked about his sponsor. And if anybody knows anybody who, you know, has had problems with alcohol and drugs, you know that a sponsor is, is somebody that you you call, like, you know, either on a daily basis or, or on a weekly basis. All right. And that's the person who kind of keeps you straight. And he talked about that. He was like an open book with that. You know, he even said that he was too young for the jobs. Like, you know, like the moment was just a little bit too big for him at that point. You know, he was just 33 years old, guys, when he got hired at Washington, 36 or 37, if I'm not mistaken, when he got hired to go, um, you know, coach at USC. So a young head coach had so many thriving programs, especially USC. And so maybe the pressure got to him. 
but you know, even with the pressure getting to him, he leaves, becomes an analyst. He is humble enough to become an analyst at Alabama, right? When you're a guy who's making 30 grand a year, I don't care how much money he made in the past. It's still a lot of pride goes into that decision where he became an analyst and basically didn't do any offensive play calling, nothing. He just helped the offensive coordinator. And at that time, that was Lane Kiffin. So he, he helps Lane Kiffin, you know, for, I guess, a year or two. You know, uh, Lane ends up taking the job at FAU. Um, and Steve Sarkeesian gets bumped up to be the offensive coordinator, if I'm not mistaken, during a national championship game. And he handled himself well. I mean, it was a game for the ages. It, it was just that the opposing team, which was Clemson at the time, they just uh, outdoored them. And, and they got the number one pick in the draft this year in Trevor Lawrence, who who kind of, you know, just fueled that. You know, so he, he, he goes there, leaves there for a year, and goes to Atlanta to be the OC there. Uh, that was a, a train wreck. But even with it being a train wreck, just because of the team, not because of Sark, uh, Matt Ryan put up his second best stats of his entire career, you know, like under Sark. So he leaves there. Nick Saban calls him, "Come, hey, come back to Bama, come back to Bama. And he comes back to Bama for two years, right? And 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 Bama basically had their top two offensive, you know, uh, years underneath Sark. And He's just an offensive wizard and an offensive genius. And I'm glad that Texas made this move because, you know, Texas went after Urban Meyer. We all know that. They went after Urban Meyer. They didn't get Urban. Urban told him no. And so now it's what's next? What's plan B? And plan B might have been Matt Campbell. It might have been Cristobal. It might have been whoever. But I'm glad we got Sark because when you start to look at everything that's that's happening, I love Matt Campbell as a coach. But I don't think he is the recruiting rainmaker that we need here at Texas. I don't know if Matt Campbell was going to be that guy that was going to electrify the base here at the school, electrify those kids in those Texas, you know, high schools, electrify those kids in those California, you know, high schools and those Florida and those Georgia high schools to bring the talent back to Texas. I don't know if he could do it. Um, Crystal Ball's a hell of a recruiter, but Crystal just got tore up by Matt Campbell in the Fiesta Bowl. All right. So, yeah, neither one were the right hire at Texas. Matt Campbell might have been if he could have assembled a team around him. But the problem with those guys who are head coaches is they're head coaches at schools that are not Texas. And so when you are a head coach at a school, you want to bring your homeboys that you hired at at, uh, you know, Iowa State or at Oregon, where the pressure is not the same at Texas. You bring your homeboys to Texas because they were successful there. It's a different animal when it comes down to Texas. You got donors to deal with, right? You got to be a CEO, basically. You got so much more you got to worry about um, than just coaching. Matt Campbell can coach at Iowa State and nothing else. You don't have to worry about anything else. At Texas, you got to do so much more. We have a freaking channel, guys. We got the Longhorn Network for, you know, just for crying out loud. So he couldn't hide behind just coaching. He would have to do so much more. And the comments he makes about, you know, I don't have five-star players, but we got a five-star culture. Hey, uh, you can't sell that when, you, when, when you're the head coach. You should want to have five-star players. I mean, I love the comment with him coaching at Iowa State, but you should want to have five-star players. You want to say, hey, we don't have a five-star player. We got a five-star coach, but I want those five-star players. And that's not what he has. And, and he, he doesn't have the chops to do that at Iowa State. To get five-star players and high four-star guys on a continual basis, you have to be at a big-time school. 
you got to be at a school that, that has the resources, a school that's going to get you there to the top. You know, so Texas, if Texas wins the Big 12 every year, guess what's going to happen? They're going to be in contention to be in the college football playoffs, just like Oklahoma. Right. So what do we do here, guys? We get Sark. And what does Sark do? He's a rainmaker at recruiting. And some of these guys that he's talking about bringing in with him, just some of the rumors that have been floated around through sites like Orange Bloods and, uh, you know, IT, which is um, um, Insight Texas and 247 and, and, and like all these sites. He's going to bring some bona fide rainmakers here as recruiters um, if these guys are the ones who are going to come with him to this coaching uh, uh, tenure here at Texas. And I pray that he's here for a long time if he's successful. So when you look at Sark, he has uh, took a team at Washington. You know, you know, when it comes to the recruiting side of the house, folks, he has taken a team like Washington, who finished, I don't know, 75 or 79 in the in the top ranks when it comes to recruiting the year prior to him getting there. The year he gets there. Well, I'm sorry. That was the year he got there. So that was like his transition class. The next year they were like in the top. I don't know, 28 in the country. So he moves, he moved the recruiting needle 50 spots in his first year. Then he gets him in the teens by the time he leaves there. Mind you, think about this, guys. Washington was 0-12 the year before he got there. The next year, I think they win five games. And then like the years after that, he goes like seven and six, seven and six, seven and six. And last year he's, he wins like nine games or eight games. And then he goes to USC. And he was what, if I'm not mistaken, 12 and six at USC over over two years. But when he left USC, he had the number one class in the country. This guy can recruit, you know, so he knows how to recruit the West Coast. And I think with the with the uh, with the uh, excitement that's going to be around him coming to Texas, he is going to recruit Texas well. And he still has his connects down in California especially Matter Day High School. I think where his son goes to school. So, I mean, he's picked up a bunch of recruits there. This is going to be very interesting. This is where I think Texas is going to be in a position right now to go out and get the best talent out there no matter what. It's not just taking the top 10 or 15 players from the state of Texas like Mac did. Mac did something that we've never seen before in this state and it's probably never going to be done again. Mac Brown, guys, would go. You know, And I was at school during this time. You know, so I know some of the football players from those years. I was there from 01 to 05, and I actually know like a bunch of those guys. And Mac would go in the state of Texas and say, the top 25 guys, I'm taking the top 20 and leave and be done recruiting by spring. Like, didn't even have to recruit in the, in the summer or the fall to even keep recruits. They wanted to come to Texas. He kept Texas talent here. That would probably never be done again, guys. Mac closed the borders. When Texas A&M left to go to the SEC, kind of opened up the borders a little bit more. Then you got you know, you know schools like Alabama coming in and, and poaching talent. And Ohio State and, and Florida and Georgia, everybody's poaching talent. Uh, Stanford on the West Coast, it, it gave free range for everybody to come into the state and poach talent. Now, I'm not just blaming that on all the other schools. I'm blaming it on Texas, too, because Texas wasn't good enough to keep that talent here in Texas. But now I got a feeling, guys, that the offense that Sarkeesian is going to run is going to be so attractive to these kids here in Texas that it's going to be amazing. And I can't wait to see it. Um, Texas has talent, guys. I just saw a stat, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Texas is has the fourth, the fourth most ESPN 300 people on their team right now from the past five years of recruiting uh, in the country. Those other four teams, guys, are Alabama, 
I think they had like 98. Uh, who's next? I think Georgia had like 84. I think Ohio State had like uh, 65 or 70, somewhere around there. Uh, I think Clemson had 63 and Texas had 65 or something like that. So out of those five teams, four of those teams have been to the college football playoffs. One has not, and one is Texas, because we haven't developed our talent, because the coaches that we've had here over the last decade have not been able to develop that talent the way that we need it. And so that's why I'm hoping that Sark can come in here and bring in his guys, his guys that he feels comfortable with, so that they can develop this Texas talent, and do their damn thing. And now we're going to take a small commercial break and we're going to talk about some of those guys that Sars is planning on bringing in and just seeing exactly what they can do here at this school on the other end, guys. All right, guys, and we're back. So we just got off that beautiful commercial break. Now we're going to talk about the staff that people are thinking. It's not set in stone, guys, but people are thinking uh, Sark's going to bring here to Texas and the three main guys on the offensive side of the ball is going to be AJ Milwee, who is like his right-hand man. He's like a, a analyst right now at, at Alabama. And so he'll probably be like, like the QB coach, the guy who's going to, you know, just run the day-to-day operations when it comes to the offense for Sark. Mind you, Sark's going to be the one calling these plays guys. Um, Cal Floyd is the next guy. Well, flood. Cal Flood is the next guy, who is the offensive line coach at Alabama. Ding, ding, ding. We need offensive linemen, guys. We need to develop offensive linemen. We need to be able to get offensive linemen here that are five-star studs. This guy has produced a ton of offensive linemen. He's a, a hell of a recruiter. The recruits love him. Uh, if you can get the, the Alabama offensive line coach to come to Texas and you can sell that, hey, I put these guys in the league from Bama. I'm doing the same thing here in Texas. You don't have to go. Um to the SEC, or you don't have to go down to Alabama. You're from Houston. You're from Dallas. You're from Austin. You know, you don't have to go 900 miles away from home to go play football. You can play you know, football right here and have your mom and dad come see you every weekend. You know, what a joy that is, right? So Cal Flood, uh, Flood if they can get Flood to be the 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 OL, well, the, the offensive line coach, uh, maybe like a, a OC, like a slight raise for him once it comes to Texas, That'd be amazing. Next guy, Banks, Jeff Banks, the tight end coach, special teams coordinator for Alabama. He's a recruiting rainmaker in the state of Texas. He is a recruiting rainmaker. Those kids that are Texas guys that, are, that go to Alabama, Jeff Banks has all of those, uh, all those contacts. They love him. They absolutely love him. So if Texas can get that guy, you're talking about an opportunity to have the the recruiting rainmakers of rainmakers to come here on that offensive side of the ball. It's going to be really, really interesting, really amazing. Another name that has been floated around is the Alabama wide receiver coach. I think it's Higgins, Higgins or Wiggins. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, it's Higgins, if I'm not mistaken. Let me check, guys. Give me a second. I know I shouldn't be doing research on the phone, uh, you know, like during the podcast, but I am going to do it right now. But if I'm not mistaken, it's, it, his name is Higgins. Um, but he is one hell of a – of a guy when it comes to, you know, cultivating talent. And we can say that right now because his, 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 uh, his guys over the past couple of years, you're looking at Devonte Smith, who is going to win the Heisman this year. Waddle's going to be a first round pick. Uh, Rose was a first round pick last year. Jerry Judy was a first round pick. I mean, he can walk into a kid's, he can walk into a wide receiver, um, uh, house and basically say, I'm going to get you to the league and look at my track record. Yeah, my last guy, he won the Heisman Trophy. 
you know, that's what he can do. You know, so I like what it, I like what Sark's doing on the offensive side of the ball as far as coordinators. Now, will Nick Saban let this happen? That's the next thing. I don't know if he has a choice. If the guys want to come, they're going to come. Nick Saban doesn't care, guys. He turns to him. It is what it is, man. That's a sign of a good organization, sign of a good coach. You know, you know, I'm in the military, so I always tell folks that the sign of a good the the sign of a good organization is when um, you have people that are getting you know in the program. Uh, they're learning, they're growing, they're being groomed, and then they go right. And go means they go get a a better job or they go get something that's going to pay them more money. But we've prepared them to do that, and then guess what? We hire somebody in that is just as good or somebody who is going to be that next guy and has the potential to be just as good as the person who left. You know, it's, it's, it's basically saying that A plus teams and A plus, you know, people hire A plus folks because they want to keep themselves being A plus. And people who are A plus people understand that you can't be A plus by yourself. All right. It's those B plus guys. It's those B's. It's those C plus guys who always hire somebody that is a lower grade than them because they're afraid that that person's going to take their job. Right? Can't happen. You got to throw all this stuff out the window when you're a coach at a big time school like Texas. And of course, you're probably going to get paid, I don't know, $6 million a year. It needs to happen soon. Texas, we're very impatient fans. We're a very impatient fan base. We want to win. We want to win now. So on the offensive side of the ball, I think Sark's going to have this sewed up. Not really worried about the offensive side of the ball. The defensive side of the ball is where I want to know what's going to happen, guys. Um, so all the rumors were saying that Will Muschamp was going to come back. Will Muschamp, I guess, turned down, so he's not coming back to Texas. Does Sark keep Chris Ash, or does he go in a whole different direction? I, myself, I like Chris Ash. I think he is one hell of a, a D.C., um, I think that'd be an amazing, you know, thing just to keep them around just for the continuity side of the ball. Um, you know, so uh, these kids have gone through coordinators for quite some time now. You know, they had Todd Orlando. Prior to him, they had Vance Bedford. Uh, you know, so Vance Bedford was a, was a D.C. for three years and the defense really regressed. Um, and this, you know, like halfway through his second year and his whole third year. So Charlie took over, you know, Charlie Strong took over all the uh, all the play calling on defense. Charlie gets fired. Tom Herman comes in, you know, who I think was a B or B plus hire, and he brings a, a C plus staff with him, a C plus staff. And I'm not saying Tarleno's a bad DC. I'm just saying that he wasn't Texas ready yet. Maybe eventually. He just at the time he wasn't Texas ready. He had a good first season, but when teams figured out his defense, he was not able to adjust and become a championship quality defense coordinator. So what happens? Those kids have uh, T.O., which is Tart Orlando. He gets fired. And now we got Chris Ash that comes in, who I think is an amazing defensive coordinator. The team has gotten better every week. The team has tackled better every week. And I think just for the purposes of continuity, I think it'd be an awesome thing to keep Chris Ash on board. But it's Sark's team. He has to hire people that he's comfortable with. Um, Oscar Giles, I like him as a defensive line coach. I wish he was a more of a recruiting rainmaker. We need some guys who can just go in houses and recruit. I don't know if Oscar Giles is the guy who, who likes to recruit, but I can't, I can't knock it. I can't knock what he's done on the offensive. Well, I'm sorry, on the defensive line. He's brought in some good guys, guys. You got Colburn, who I think is going to be um, a first team all Big 12 guy next year, potential um, All American. You got guys like um, Ojimo. Ojimo is nice, nice. 
you had to go get a guy like Taquan Graham, um, who is really good at the defensive tackle position. And Tart Orlando scheme, we had him playing as a defensive end. That wasn't his natural position. When, when Once we swapped it at 4-3, you really got to see the greatness, how good Taquan Graham could be. And I think that's that's Oscar Giles and team molding these guys into in, – you know, into doing what they're supposed to do. And one thing that I can say about Oscar Jeff, you know, honestly, I'm going to take this back. It's kind of a miracle for him to get some of these guys to recruit, uh, uh, you know, like to come to Texas. And these guys are mainly four, three guys. And he was able to sell them on playing, playing in a three, four when, uh, when T.O. was here. So when the four, three gets implemented with Chris Ash and we got, you know, the four down linemen, you got Joseph Osai, you got to get Joseph Osai here. You know, so you got Joseph Sai here. You got Coburn here. He got Taquan Graham here. He got Afra Collins here. You know, he got Vernon Broughton here. He's brought some war daddies here. I got to give him his props. Now that I think about it, I got to give Oscar Giles his props. He's brought some war daddies here, man. But the thing is, is that um, uh, I don't know. I got to I gotta reserve, you know, uh, my take on Oscar Giles. I like Oscar Giles, guys. I just don't think he's going to be retained because I got a feeling that um, – Sark's going to bring in his guys. And I think one of the guys he was talking about bringing in, guys, is, hold on, let me get this guy's name. He is the defensive coordinator now for uh, Arkansas, and I can't remember his name right now. Um, but uh, he he was the head coach, if I'm not mistaken, for Missouri for a little bit of time. Um, left there, and now he is – what is the guy's name? I can't think of his name. I can't think of his name at all. Uh, Barry Odom. That's it, Barry Odom. Um, so, you know, so Barry Odom, uh, is supposed to be a guy who is pretty click tight with, uh, Sark. And so it would be a fit that Sark would like and feel comfortable with. Now, the only thing about Barry Odom is there are multiple teams that are going to probably want his, um, his services. And those teams are, of course, Texas. And I think LSU is like another team that wants his services. Um, but just for continuity purpose, I would love to see Chris Ash stay. Like I said, the team has gotten better. He's been able to make the right personnel decisions. Moving down over Sean from safety to linebacker was a game changer. Um, playing a guy like Jalen Ford, you know, in the uh, bowl game as a true freshman to get him some some reps. He's turned out to be a really good player. We got to see him play. Um, even guys like Mitchell, uh, he's he's playing well. The defensive line, even without Joe Fasai played really well. We got studs in that line. Like Alfred Collins is going to be a, a household name. He just is. He's going to be a household name. He played that defensive tackle position uh, like none other. It, it looked like we didn't skip a beat uh, when Taquan Graham left. We didn't skip a beat at all. And so it's going to be interesting to see the team that is assembled by Sark. I am very ecstatic to see what's going to happen. I, uh, I think this was a needed change. This was necessary. Um, Texas had kind of lost faith. Well, not kind of. Texas lost faith in Tom Herman. Just some of the antics that he's pulled over the years. Uh, you know, you know, flipping off the uh, the uh, network screen. You know, like giving like the double bird, and they took a picture of it. Um, what else did he do? He was mocking um, Drew Lock from Missouri when they played in the bowl game. That's something that a coach shouldn't do. You would never catch, you know, a seasoned coach doing some stuff like that. Um, the fighting antics with, uh, uh, with Gundy at, uh, Oki state, um, uh, man, just losing to Maryland twice. I mean, one and four against one and four. Yeah. 
one and four against Oklahoma. Gary Patterson owning you, eating your your bacon every year. Um, Matt Campbell just saying, hold my beer, you my, you know what, you ain't nothing. You got five-star, I got a five-star culture. I mean, just he has been abused, basically. Um, mind you, he does have a 73 record. He's 4 no in bowl games, guys, so we can't uh, say too much bad things about Herman when it comes to the play on the field. But what I can say is the player development hasn't been there. Um, Texas has continuously had uh, players who have been undrafted free agents who have made teams in the NFL. So what's that tell me, guys? It tells me that these players weren't they weren't developed enough to get drafted. These guys are starting on teams. They were undrafted free agents. Malcolm Roach is a starter for the New Orleans Saints, and he was undrafted. Puna Ford, who balled out, was a is a starter and had been starting since his uh, his rookie season for the Seahawks. I mean, you got guys like that, Holden Hill, and I know he had problems. Uh, he had other problems, um, but he's you know he was undrafted, you know you know for a reason. And, but uh, Tom Herman, it's almost like he didn't understand the talent that he had in this team and where to put it. The whole offensive line issue, so worried about the offensive line issue and what was going to happen post Cosme, maybe a curse Strader being out. I think he's going to probably come back after the injury. Um, just losing a bunch of folks on the line. Uh, but it looks like Cosme should have uh, – well, I'm sorry. Kerstetter should have never been playing center. Kerstetter, sh- he should have probably still been playing right tackle. Cosme at the left tackle. Jake Majors, this freshman, has been the bomb these last two games at center, man. This kid should have been playing uh, at least since game three. You know, just get his feet wet. You know, like, let him play. Uh, Tyler Johnson played really well at the at the right guard position. And at the left guard, Angela didn't play bad either this year. So it's understanding that that talent is there. And it's like we never saw this talent together on the field. And it's like Tom is a guy who stuck with his homeboys. His homeboys are the players that he likes, like Kay Brewer. I like Kay Brewer. I like Jared Wiley better. And my stats, my NCN, which is the Nino's corner number, shows that Jared Wiley was a much more productive tight end when he's in the game than Kay Brewer. Another thing, not running the ball with B. John Robinson, more than eight to ten times a game. He's a workhorse. He's a five-star player for a reason. When Alabama, when Clemson, when Ohio State gets five-star guys, they play them. That's what you're supposed to do. They're football players, right? So um, one thing I think that Sark is going to do is he is going to run Bijan 15 to 20 times a game, and it's going to happen, and he's going to do well. Bijan's going to be a beast. He already is a beast. Bijan could have easily had – 350 to 400 yards against Colorado if it, if the ball would have been in his hands. So not playing guys like that. Jordan Whittington should get the ball a lot more than what he did. Jake Smith should get the ball a lot more than what he did. Brennan Eagles should get the ball a lot more than what he did. He's going to the NFL now, mainly probably because he didn't get the ball like he wanted to. All right? These are guys that are playmakers that should get the ball. I love Sam Bellinger. One of my favorite players all time to watch when it comes to seeing Texas football. But sometimes I think Tom Herman catered a little bit too much to Sam. And deservingly so, Sam is a guy who I, I have him as a top three or four quarterback to ever grace the, the land here at Texas at, at this school. You know, I think Vince is the greatest all time here at Texas. I think Colt is second. And after Colt, I think it's uh I think it's uh Sam. 
you know, a lot of people might say it's uh, it's Street or it might be Bobby Lane, um, you know, could be Major. Just my personal opinion, I think it's Vince, Colt, then Sam. And I think Sam's talent wasn't developed here like it should have been. We didn't see the best of Sam because the best offensive plan wasn't put around Sam. And that's frustrating. And I don't think we're going to have that problem when we have Sark on this team next year. Now, one more thing about Sark, and I'm going to go. It's going to be a great matchup, guys, in the in the in the rivalry game against OU at the uh, Cotton Bowl. It's going to be amazing. Both of these coaches calling plays in the sideline. It's going to be a chess match, and I can't wait to see it. Um, I think I think we finally got us a coach who we know can sit in the sideline and call plays and go tit for tat with anybody in the country when it comes to calling plays. And I'm excited about it. I know you guys are excited about it too. Um, hook them all day long. But you guys know how, how I end all these. I end them on a do you message. You see, do you. Do you on the head too. Don't be afraid to fail. I'll grow your environment. Understand your brilliance, man. Everybody's great at something. Find out what you're great at. Do it. Be passionate about it and go make it happen. On that note, guys, man, Nino's Corner, I'm out. Thanks for listening. Like and subscribe, people. Like and subscribe. Man, love you guys. Nino's Corner out. Hook them.